Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis Show, and I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Before we dive headfirst in today's groundbreaking and perspective-altering episode, I want to share a 60-second audio with you explaining my digital holistic nutrition certification program, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is a brand new recording, and I'm really excited to share it with you, so indulge me for 60 seconds and enjoy. Welcome to Holistic Health Mastery, the master's class of natural nutrition. This unique online certification program offers unparalleled wisdom on health, living foods, detoxification, longevity, and personal empowerment. Access a curriculum designed to offer far beyond the traditional teachings of nutrition, merging ancient wisdom with cutting-edge science, all delivered through an easy-to-use platform. Study each lesson at the comfort of your own home, on any device. Access over 70 video lessons and start from anywhere in the program. You are in control of the pace, where even a daily 20-30 to 30 minute investment is enough to complete the course within six months. Once you're ready, take the quiz and you're on your way to be certified as a holistic health master. In addition, you'll have access to extra features, such as monthly student support calls and an online community of students and masterminds actively discussing and sharing insights to support your education. It's time to invest in yourself and in future generations to come. Join the new leaders of natural nutrition and become a significant part of building a new paradigm in health and consciousness. So there you have it. That is the Holistic Health Mastery Program, and I'm so excited to continue to share this amazing opportunity with people all over the world. We have over 200 plus students from all over the world, and it's constantly growing. The feedback that I get on this is just really amazing, beyond my original expectations. So if you want to find out more information about this, you want to get in more details, you want to review the curriculum, or you're just ready to enroll right now, go to holistichealthmastery.com. And if you enter in the coupon code R-O-N-L-E-E, that's Ron Lee, you're going to get 10% off your enrollment fee, which can be pretty significant depending on which plan you choose for yourself. Again, that link is holistichealthmastery.com. Use the coupon code Ron Lee. Okay, so let's jump headfirst in today's episode with Dr. Tim Jackson. Dr. Tim Jackson has become a good friend of mine over the last year and a colleague, someone that I highly respect, and actually someone that I had on the show uh, in episode 31, and that episode was groundbreaking to say the least. That was one of our most popular episodes to date, and I really recommend if you haven't listened to that episode, episode number 31 
Go back and listen to it after this interview, and you're going to hear a completely different conversation than the one you're about to hear, which to me is amazing because this conversation um, was just so groundbreaking. It was so incredible. Like There is definitely a specific dynamic that occurs between me and Dr. Jackson whenever we start talking we just go down a rabbit hole into every single thing that we bring up. It's almost difficult to 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 hit every single note that I want to hit with him within that hour that we have together because him and me keep hitting going down the de- the rabbit hole and it's it's never ending, but we find our way out, we connect the dots to the next thing and we just keep the show going. This episode we really talk about an idea that I've been really meditating on for years, which is that your body essentially is a free energy generating device. And that comes down to the mitochondrial health of your cells. The mitochondria is the energy generating factory that your cells produce energy from, how they create what's called ATP or adenosine triphosphate, which is basically your primary energy molecule. And we talk about it from so many different perspectives. We talk about it from the immune system perspective, how in order to produce clean energy, you have to have a completely fortified and protected immune system. We talk about diabetes quite extensively. And then actually in that particular topic, he reversed the table on me and then kind of interviewed me for about five or six minutes on my perspectives on intermittent fasting and and is intermittent fasting appropriate for people with adrenal issues or for women, for example. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of reversal and I was able to give my perspective on that and then it just it just connected back and we hopped over to the next topic and it just went on like this. I mean, what an incredible conversation. I really, really appreciate having these dialogues with Dr. Tim because he's one of the, the foremost experts and geniuses on clinical nutrition, physiology, anatomy, immunology, um, endocrinology, the study of the hormones in the endocrine system. And he can really talk the, the scientific lingo better than most people I've heard, and yet bridge it with common sense. Bridge it with practicality, where it's not over your head. It's technical, but ultimately it's very practical. And as you're listening to this, I think that it just makes common sense, and you're able to really activate genius by taking action on the simple strategies that we go over in this interview. So buckle your seats. Get ready for a ride. Enjoy this interview between me and Dr. Tim Jackson. Dr. Tim Jackson is a treasure trove of highly specialized knowledge in the fields of biochemistry, endocrinology, detoxification, and the dynamism of the human body. What is even more impressive is that he communicates his expertise with such passion, enthusiasm, and humility that directly relates to the heart of anyone he is speaking with. I am honored to have him as a resource, a professional colleague, and a friend. 
And that was a little bit of an endorsement that I wrote for him a little while ago for his website uh, because we did an episode together, number 32. If you guys have not heard that, go back and check that out. Really amazing interview between me and Dr. Tim Jackson. But we're going to jump into stage two and just kind of bring out of flush out a whole nother level of uh, really incredible information and insights for all of you. So thank you so much for joining us, Tim. Oh, thank you for having me, Arani. It's a pleasure to, to be on your show, and I really look up to you and the, the work that you do and the information that you put out. So hopefully we'll give your listeners a, a good uh, drop some knowledge bombs. Absolutely, and I really appreciate that. And you're an absolute treasure trove of knowledge in many different areas. I mean, if people listen to that original interview we did, number 32 on the podcast, we really dove into a lot of different areas, but we really dove deep and, and created a lot of depth. And I was really, really impressed with that interview. And so, it just sets up the stage for today to really talk about some other areas, definitely related, but we're going to go into some new directions, so I'm really excited about this. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to delving into the details a little bit more and hopefully talking about information that people you don't hear very much about. Yeah, well, I definitely think that's what we're about to do, and uh, you know, let's let's just jump in. I think the first place I want to start with you is discussing the role of our mitochondria. Like, what role does the mitochondria play in our physical health? Because that's essentially like the battery pack of our cellular matrix, right? It, it creates that right. negative electric charge in our cells and allows us to produce ATP, right? Adenosine triphosphate, which is our cellular energy and what an incredible topic and you're you have so much insight on that so um for all of our listeners let's just discuss really briefly or you know as in depth as you want to go the role that our mitochondria play in our physical health and then maybe also um what what compromises our ability to produce cellular energy sure so the mitochondria like you mentioned you know they're nicknamed the the batteries of the cell um, and people, when they hear that they produce energy, they immediately think, you know, like exercise-related energy. But they also uh, produce just your day-in and day-out energy and ATP that's required for your tissues to function. So, for example, your heart should pump five liters of blood per minute. That's your cardiac output. And if your mitochondria start to dysfunction, you'll notice that that cardiac output goes down. Different tissues have different densities of mitochondria. The heart and the liver are very, very dense when it comes to mitochondria. The nervous system, not so much. And that's where a lot of times mitochondrial signs and symptoms may first show up. And this is a little bit of an aside, but you know, your listeners probably know that you know, if you have a leaky gut, eventually it's going to develop into a leaky blood-brain barrier. Mm -hmm. And so you get activation of those uh, white blood cells in the brain, the microglia, and uh, that can really create a lot of pro-inflammatory molecules. And your mitochondria are extremely sensitive to oxidative stress. They create oxidative stress through the pathway of creating energy, um, but they're incredibly sensitive to it. Now, normally what should happen is in front of the mitochondria, there should be glutathione 
and superoxide dismutase, mm. which is just another antioxidant enzyme. And, um, you know, the glutathione kind of takes the bullet, you know, it, from the pro-inflammatory molecules in order to help protect the mitochondria. So a lot of times people, you know, they're like, oh, I want to improve my mitochondria. I'm going to take CoQ10 and carnitine. And that's just one avenue, one approach. You have to approach it also from, am I protecting my mitochondria from the oxidative stress? And um, am I detoxifying? So, you know, a lot of environmental chemicals and metals can interfere with mitochondrial function. And you also have to look at it from a, a fatty acid um, quality component. So uh, replacing the lipid membranes in the um, mitochondria, uh, the certain supplements to help do that, that helps the mitochondria work uh, more efficiently. Um, other things that affect the mitochondria are EMFs, your environment, the sun, um, you know, when you go outside after a rainstorm and you feel, you know, like that kind of high, you know, you're, you're just adding electrons to your body. Same thing with earthing and grounding and uh, anything you can do to add electrons to your body, you know, it's going to work as a reducing agent, what we call a reducing agent, to get rid of the free radicals and help your body function um, more, pro more appropriately. Now, we do need some free radicals. Mm -hmm. um, our immune cells release them in order to help fight certain infections. But uh, most people have too much uh, or too many. And, you know, there are some different markers that you can test uh, for oxidative stress. Um, but ultimately, instead of just, I mean, you can take antioxidants, but you want to find out what the cause is as well. It could be high blood sugar. It could be uh, metal toxicity. It could be a disrupted circadian rhythm. It could be living an incongruent life where you, you know, you're doing something during the day that you really don't believe in. Um, any sort of mental emotional stressor. And there's one that my mentor calls a, a microbial mitochondropathy, which just means that pathogens, you know, when uh, they release those pro inflammatory molecules or the immune cells do. Um, the mitochondria are very susceptible to damage from those. Mm. So hopefully that kind of sums up the general principles of the mitochondria. Yeah, yeah, let's drill into this. There's like three things that popped up for me, but one of them that I'm thinking of is you were talking about grounding and earthing, and, um, you know, what comes up for me is when I think of blood chemistry, you know, we think of like a diabetic or a diabetic, obesity type of situation um, where the blood platelets fuse together and the blood becomes sticky and clumpy, right? And right. so what they find out through the research done on earthing is that when somebody has a barefoot connection to the ground or their body is skin to skin um, connected to the ground between somewhere between 45 to 90 minutes, the red blood cells that have been fused together start to disassociate and start to free up. And then you have that 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 uh, less viscosity of the blood. You have slippery blood flow, right, the way that you would normally want. I'm wondering what, what relationship does that have to do with the, with the energy production or the integrity of our mitochondria? Uh, in terms of uh, what you mentioned, blood sugar and diabetes, mm -hmm. um, you know, if we wrote down on, a, uh, say, a huge whiteboard or smart board, you know, every disorder, syndrome, illness, <laughs> think of, 
yeah. you know, the common denominator amongst all of them would be mitochondrial dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned blood sugar, high blood sugar continuously will cause diabetes. At the same time, if you, something just happens that damages your mitochondria, that will also cause the reverse. Um, so it can go either way, meaning it can cause diabetes or insulin resistance. Well, I guess what I'm kind of uh, drilling at is the, the, um, the blood chemistry as a whole because your blood is like the medium and transportation system to your cells for nutrients and oxygens, right? It's very basic. Yeah. So from that yeah. perspective, like doing things that free up or release that, that bondage of blood cells that free up the blood chemistry. That's kind of what I was um, uh, pinpointing, I guess. Okay. Well, uh, let me try explaining it from this angle and let's see if it makes any sense. Okay. So, so basically, you know, I mentioned in the beginning when I say energy, people think like, oh, coffee type energy bouncing off the walls. <laughs> but just like de liver detoxification requires mm. a lot of mitochondrial energy. So anytime you have symptoms in multiple systems of the body, that's kind of a red flag for mitochondrial dysfunction. Mm. Um, a lot of people can't heal, whether it's from an orthopedic injury or an immune system imbalance, because they don't make enough ATP. Um, part of that could be due to low thyroid or subclinical hypothyroidism. Part of that could be due to damaged mitochondria. Um, so, you know, you have to approach it from a few different ways. Um, and, you know, you can give things like CoQ10 and carnitine, uh, but you really want to focus on protecting it with the antioxidants as well as rehabbing the membrane. Because the way the, uh, your mitochondria really work more on a biophysical level, meaning that electrons and protons are what kind of drive the production of ATP. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, grounding and earthing can have an effect. It, it's an electric, it's a bioelectrical kind of feedback opposed to like kind of pharmaceutical consciousness is based on chemical reactions opposed to actually the electrolytical reactions of the body. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about, you know, I'll quote uh, Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. He says, you know, uh, much of what we talk about in functional integrated medicine is, um, you know, biochemistry, but if we can control the biophysics of the cell, mm. you can control multiple biochemical reactions. And by that, he's referring to EMF exposure. Um, you know, do you have a smart meter on your house? Um, are you getting sun, especially early morning sun, things of that nature? Mm. Okay, this is awesome. So what, what I'm thinking about right now is, you know, the whole conversation around telomeres, for example, right? I always find that really, over the years, I've found that just an interesting conversation because most people are so focused on what can you do to activate the telomerase enzyme to increase the length and the insulation of your telomeres, which for the audience, those are the end caps of your chromosomes. Your chromosomes house, like, a tremendous amount of information of your DNA code and who you are genetically and all that. So those telomeres kind of keep the chromosomes locked in place and keep them from unraveling or oxidizing, essentially. So there's this whole conversation around, like, um, for example, like the astragalicide extract from astragalus, the Chinese herb, which, which helps to promote the production of telomeres and, and many other, I guess, catalysts. People mostly focus on what can we do to catalyze 
um, a reaction in the body that's associated with longevity, let's just say that. But I always kind of looked at it from this perspective. It was like, okay, well, that's great, but what actually is breaking down the telomeres in the first place? Like, let's go there first so we're not kind of like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Let's, (laughs) Let's figure out what's actually breaking down the mitochondria and then maybe if we actually stop doing the things that are breaking it down or mitigating it, then we'll, our body's self-healing mechanism will kick in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, what you just described is what I wrote about in my free ebook, but uh, green allopathy, you know, where you just kind of maybe replace someone's meds with supplements, you know, CoQ10 or carnitine or whatever stimulant, metabolic stimulants for the mitochondria, but ultimately you want to see what the antioxidant levels are, what your um, toxicity level is. I mean, you know, you can test certain chemical levels, but I mean, you know, all of us need to detox. And so getting rid of those things along with raising your antioxidant levels will help to protect the mitochondria. And then you, on top of that, you can help make the membrane healthier. Mm. And the cell membrane, you know, kind of drives, there's an inner membrane and an outer membrane and an inner membrane space. And you, um, there's five complexes, complexes one through five. And the last one helps produce um, ATP. And they basically just kind of pass electrons along like hot potato, hot potato. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Where does... Um you know, I have to assume myelination fits into this puzzle. You're talking like that just came up for me when you're talking about like electrons hopscotching. You know, I think of like electrons hopscotching from neuron to neuron to pass information over throughout the nervous system. Does does like does myelination or myelin fit into this this puzzle on some level? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, things like Parkinson's Mm. and MS and and certain demyelinating disorders, you know, uh, you have to have uh, enough ATP in order to repair your tissues and to perform their daily functions. Okay. Uh, Okay, so just on a daily basis, like the gut is pretty energy intensive. Most people don't realize we actually exert a lot of energy in order to break down our food. Yes. Um, so, you know, with the uh, mitochondria, you can boost those through different types of exercise, aerobic exercise, uh, possibly some resistance exercise. Um, but the biggest thing with them is that, you, you know, like you said, you want, don't want to just cover up what's going on. You want to try to optimize their function and protect them. Um, and, and instead of just, you know, taking a supplement, because if you're constantly being exposed to the same toxins that, you know, hurt the mitochondria to begin with, then you're not doing yourself any good. You just said uh, such a key point that I've been riffing on for years, which is that digestion requires a tremendous amount of metabolic energy in order to turn your food into energy. It's... (laughs) I always thought about that from a very interesting perspective because I've I've been into different forms of periodic fasting and, and liquid diets and, and intermittent fasting. And now actually my approach is much like a cyclic fast where I pretty much will fast on liquids, mostly caloric, like all, 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 you know, I've developed my metabolism in a way over the years where I won't really have anything caloric for 
you know, for throughout most of the day. And then I'll have like, like a feeding window of like maybe two hours later in the day. And then that'll be like most of my like actual calories for the most part. I still play with it, see what, how it feels day to day. But I've kind of, I've come to that same realization of like, wow, like I could really, I could really turn my body more into a free energy device if I stop putting so many calories, so many dense calories into my body that my body has to has to break down and then try to redistribute into another form of energy. Right. You know, I, I use uh, quite a bit of amino acids mm-hmm. and other supplements in my practice and people will say, oh, well, why can't I just eat a chicken breast or a steak? <laughs> and they don't realize that, you know, giving you the free form amino acid is giving you the raw material directly. Yes. So uh, that's a lot different when you come in from a therapeutic standpoint than you know just going a different direction. I uh, you just hit on something I want to talk about: free form amino acid therapy. This is something like you see in psychiatric circles and um, antidepressants and this kind of thing. Like you see people having incredible results with their mood, their neurological function, um, focus, all that kind of thing. From the inclusion of really smart, selective um, amino acid therapy, and I've just noticed in my own world, um, doing that like in the morning, for example, and while I'm going through my my, my modified fast, wow, what a difference that makes. Let, please, tell us about free-form amino acids. Yeah, so free-form amino acids, um, you know, there's many different companies out there offering them. Um, um, you know, you always, as with any other supplement, you want to try to get as few fillers as possible, especially magnesium stearate, which can lower natural killer mm. cells. Um, but taking on an empty stomach, the key there is taking them on an empty stomach, you know, for several days or, or excuse me, for several months um, is a really good thing, especially if you have compromised digestion. And uh, I won't name the lab, but one of the labs that I use for neurotransmitter testing, they don't just test your urine neurotransmitters. They also test your urine amino acids. And so they have a compounding pharmacist that will create a custom uh, cream to balance your neurotransmitters and a customized powder to balance your uh, amino acid levels. Really interesting. Um, mm. There's one, another thing came up as we're, we're um, still talking about the mitochondria. Um, you know, there's two things that come up for me and have come up over the years um, is an herb called cordyceps mushroom, which has been shown to actually help bypass the digestive system and go right into ATP manufacturing. And then there's uh, marine phytoplankton. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if you're you're really familiar with or not, but that thing that I've been I've been promoting that for a while, and that in my own practice has been revolutionary. And again, marine phytoplankton, when taken sublingually, bypasses your normal metabolic manufacturing and goes right into the mitochondria. Right, right. It's extremely important, um, you know, to protect the mitochondria from all three of those, you know, kind of levels, or I guess four levels. That we talked about, um, circadian rhythms uh, play a role. Blue light, um, you know, if getting sunlight, uh, you know, hitting your eyes first thing in the morning, all of those things kind of trigger, you know, the correct 
uh, 24-hour cycle or circadian cycle mm -hmm. that uh, allow the mitochondria to perform optimally. You know, if you want to look, uh, I mean, someone like yourself that's a, a trained expert martial artist, you know, you have good mitochondria. Right. Uh, someone uh, who's in a wheelchair, who can't walk, who's 200 pounds overweight, who's on a respirator, that's bad mitochondria. Right, right. So I'm kind of, so for me personally, I'm in a position where genetically and physically all of it, like I'm in a different um, stage and phase opposed to somebody else. Like even the common bystander in society, um, I kind of have an advantage from that perspective where I can, I can do things um, because my mitochondria is more in integrity than your average person. Right, right, exactly. That's exactly right. So, you know, athletes uh, obviously have, you know, healthy mitochondria. Um, one of the things a colleague of mine and I are working on is kind of a paper in submission to different uh, professional organizations, professional athletic organizations, saying, hey, you know, we have this compound, and, and we'll get to it in a minute, but it's NAD+. It's one of the molecules that helps uh, prevent and reverse aging, but it boosts uh, energy production. So instead, like baseball players, you know, they play so many games, they get exhausted and they end up turning to amphetamines and stimulants. And then that leads to leaky gut. Uh, they call them greenies in the major leagues. But, you know, if we could get them on a program of, you know, just every now and then doing the IV version of certain mitochondrial nutrients we could keep number one their performance would go way up number two they would recover from injury faster um but unfortunately with uh, uh dealing with the nfl and nba major league baseball a lot of it is not based on science it's political and um <laughs> you know it doesn't matter how many studies you cite or uh you know what evidence you you provide um, you know, sometimes people just don't want to listen, but you would think when someone owns a, a multi-million or billion-dollar corporation that they would want their best players back out on the field as soon as possible. And there's so many uh, better methods to rehabbing than the way that they do now. Mm. It's really, it's really barbaric at best. Yeah, that reminds me of the Will Smith movie Concussion. I don't know yes. if you saw that, but it's, it is exactly, and I had actually known about that situation for a while, but then I saw the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this is outrageous, um, and it, that's, I mean, we don't have to go into a whole rant about that, but that's actually really interesting, is that um, organizations have a vested interest in their, the way that things have been done, and if those things are producing profits, then it's going to be very hard for them to uh, change gears. Yeah, people think when they hear nonprofit or see nonprofit that it's like a charity. And that definitely doesn't mean that because the NFL is a nonprofit organization and it's an eight or nine billion dollar a year organization. And so uh, when you get to that level, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, uh, presenting, you know, something rationally, ideas rationally, trying to help, you know, their organization or team. You know, they, they're not so receptive and, uh, you know, it's more political, string pulling, mm. uh, nepotism, that sort of thing versus science and, uh, you know, other things. Because uh, a friend of mine who's a holistic MD, he submitted a, a proposal to the NFL 
and had all these studies to back it up saying we can calm down inflammation in the brain and because right now we don't have a good test for just low-level inflammation in the brain. Um, but there's nutraceuticals and, and uh, IVs and, and other therapies that can, um, you know, help the mitochondria. So, um, you know, that, that's something to consider as well. Mm. What um, I want to change gears here. I want to, um, and I'm sure this will be totally, uh, totally connected. I'm curious what your views on diabetes are and what kind of unique insights you have for us on that because I know that that... Um, especially as recently has been a topic that you've been talking a lot about? Yeah, so, um, you know, typically we think uh, type 2 diabetes, you know, uh, adult onset diabetes, um, and that, you know, you're eating too many carbohydrates and you're not exercising enough, and, and certainly that p- plays a role. But you can also be fit, you know, and exercise several times a week, even doing resistance training which is best to improve insulin sensitivity, um, and eating healthy, even a paleo-type diet, and you can still have a high level of insulin resistance because those inflammatory compounds I mentioned earlier, cytokines, the pro-inflammatory ones, they damage hormone levels and the hormone receptor sensitivity. So I have an article right now in the queue to be published on Huffington Post on and with all scientific references, you know, showing that even things like dental infections, subclinical mm. dental infections, can lead to uh, diabetes, and it's because of the cytokines. You know, I sound like a broken record: cytokine, cytokine, cytokine. But the, those inflammatory compounds are really what you're feeling, and really what result in syndromes and disorders. Well, that, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me because when I look at type 1 diabetes or juvenile diabetes, it's often called, um, I often think, okay, what is the origin of such a condition? Why would that start from, from the beginning of a, of a child's life, essentially? And then I think of breast milk. I think of all the, the babies that were never given that biological formatting material that would essentially program one's immune system. So then I think of like, what you call a cytokine storm, and I'm like, okay, so it has to be some kind of immunological compromise behind the the veil. Right, right, yeah. I mean, um, an, you, you said an immunocompromised uh, condition behind which disorder? Be, behind, oh, type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I'll give an anecdote. I worked with a kid when I was in North Carolina, uh, type 1 diabetic, you know, had to administer um, insulin, and he, I gave him vitamin D, B12, and methylfolate, and worked on his methylation pathways, and in, I think, two to three weeks, he was able to cut his insulin in half. Wow. There's a very strong connection to certain viruses that attack the pancreas, mm. and, uh, you know, so that that's one reason why sometimes they can get transferred in utero. Um, other times, you, you know, you may catch them from other places, but it's, um, you know, extremely important to pay attention to those things. Okay. So, you know, speaking of the pancreas, you know, we know that the pancreas produces B cells and A cells, right? And oftentimes Uh we're focused on like the beta cells being the precursors for insulin. And so when somebody has a reduction, a severe reduction in their beta cells, they can no longer produce enough insulin. So they have like an insulin resistance or sensitivity. 
Um, that, that part's pretty well known, but then there's the alpha cells, which produce glucagon, right? And my understanding is that glucagon breaks down the glycogen, the stored sugar that's in your liver, primarily in your muscle cells to bring blood sugar back up when it's been dropped too low. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it does. And so that kind of gets into a little bit of what you were talking about with intermittent fasting and different mm, types of metabolic yes. fasting. Um, so one question I actually had for you was, you know, most people or at least a lot of people are going to have some degree of adrenal stress. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to, for, to do moderate fasting or mild fasting with people with adrenal fatigue? That's a really great question. I've gotten that question um, here and there, especially when it comes to women. I think hormonally, because of the, the different cascade between men and women, men can get away with it easier. Women have to do a little more of a dance. Um, but I do find that... It, it, you don't jump into it overnight, right? Like, so a lot of people feel that intermittent fasting, um, the way that it's proposed oftentimes where let's just say you do, like, um, you wake up and just do water and maybe a juice or you do, like, the bulletproof coffee thing, um, which is debatable, but then you go into, like, 2 p.m. and then you have, like, a six- or eight-hour feeding window. Depending on that person... Um, where they are adrenally, thyroidally, and um, uh, blood sugar-wise, like in this conversation, it's, it's, it's a dance, right? So the way that I look at it is that I, I advise people to, to adapt. There's an adaptation is the best way for me to say it, is that if you have a perspective where you're adapting to going longer stretches without consuming calories you feel it out as you go along um one thing i will say about that though that i found is really beneficial is when somebody does one liter of the best water they have with one fourth teaspoon of sea salt in their water it helps to normalize their blood sugar it mineralizes them essentially so they're you know they're in balance and they get the sodium that they need for their adrenal support there's a lot of other kind of little tools and tactics that I, I put in there, but that's kind of the basic, the basic foundation that I found for people to get them to to get them into a state of normalcy or a state of balance while they're trying to do an intermittent fast. Um, I find that if somebody can do that, the water protocol, whatever supplements that they're using, amino acids I think are amazing. N-acetylcysteine I found is really great. Um, enzymes, probiotics, and then doing like 16 to even 32 ounces of green vegetable juice with some sort of powdered green uh, superfood powder like a spirulina mm-hmm. or a chlorella to give them the protein they need and the micronutrients and the chlorophyll, um, then people pretty much, you know, from what I can tell, can really easily coast along as long as their mind is in the right place. As long right. as their attitude about it is in the right place, they do things like meditation. They 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 don't have an overload of uh, you know sympathetic overload from stress. Um, then then the odds are stacked in their favor. Okay, yeah. And it, what about uh, rejuvenating or boosting the immune system right. uh, with fasting? 
Well, I think it's really amazing. I mean, I did a I did a podcast recently on this topic and you know, the studies have shown like three days, three to four days of just straight water fasting can actually re revolutionize the immune system, like completely transform it. Um, so mm-hmm. I kind of take that principle and just modify it to an intermittent fast. Um, and I found, I mean, you know, just speaking from personal experience, it appears to me that it's pretty much impossible for me to get sick under any circumstances. I mean, here in Hawaii, people are complaining about, uh, you know, like fungal infections, candidas everywhere. There's mold, there's, uh, uh, you know, VOCs, there's, there's uh, you know, mold infections everywhere. And I see people getting sick around me, and I'm in the midst of it unaffected whatsoever. Um, right. So that's been kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, the average, they did a study, I think they looked at eight or nine cities in the U.S., and the average umbilical cord has between 250 and 300 right. uh, known carcinogens. And that's just the carcinogens. That's not the endocrine-disrupting chemicals and other things. And so you really come out, you know, behind the eight ball, so you have to work to catch up. And then, you know, I tell people, it's just like brushing your teeth. you got to do it every day. So instead of yes. doing, you know, a harsh cleanse or something when you haven't ever detoxed and it could really knock you on your behind, you know, focus on, you know, evaluating different biomarkers and, you know, systematically and scientifically coming up with the nutrients that will help support your eliminative organs or eliminatory organs like the liver, the kidneys, the gut, etc. Yeah, you know, on that on that note, just to finish this thought off from your question, you know, one of the the basic protocols that I I love to do, and I'm, I'm starting to actually organize all this stuff into an actual program that I think is going to be pretty universal with some modifications per person. But it's basically, like I said, one liter of spring water in the morning with one fourth teaspoon of sea salt. And then from there, it's, it's between 10 to 20, even 30 uh, metabolic or protein-based enzymes um, in combination uh, with some sort of probiotic supplementation. Um, and then I think like for me, N-acetylcysteine, NAC has been a really powerful one, um, but th- I guess that could be, you know, alpha lipoic acid or whatever, whatever kind of glutathione precursor um, somebody might want to utilize to help them on that tier, on that tier of things. Um, and then the free form amino acids, I think is, it fits right in there. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, amino acids are, you know, are used as transporters. They're the precursors to our uh, neurotransmitters. They're used in so many metabolic reactions. And so sometimes I'll see miraculous results from someone who has really bad digestion just by giving them a free-form amino acid supplement, um, you know, to take twice a day on an empty stomach uh, because their body's not having to work. Like, let's say they're MMC or migrating mo- migratory motor complex isn't working, and so peristalsis in the gut isn't working. You know, giving them the um, the pre-digested amino acids helps um, their bodies to just take them, take it up quickly and use it, and put it to use in, in the reactions that you know have been neglected for a while. 
That that's amazing. You know, just thinking of amino acid therapy. You know, for people listening, you got to understand that just because you eat something that is proteinaceous or has quote unquote protein in it, that doesn't indicate that you're able to your body's able to cleave up the individual amino acids in that protein and those amino acids may or may not even be bioavailable they may be carcinogenic like nitrogenous proteins for example can build up in the kidneys if you aren't able to metabolize it right so because we do have this whole epidemic of leaky gut syndrome like you mentioned and these digestive complications People are eating all this heavy amount of protein-rich food, but that doesn't mean that they're getting what they think they're getting. And so the free-form amino acid thing to me I think is amazing because that's basically like the substrata of your neurotransmitters and much of your hormones, like adrenaline that's produced from your adrenal glands is basically like a neurotransmitter. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. So yeah, the, that that works well. And like I said, you know, there's one lab. I mean, there's the other labs that test um, the, your urine amino acids and mm-hmm. uh, urine neurotransmitters. But the lab I use, they have a pharmacist on staff who creates a customized um, formula, powder and cream for you based on your laboratory results. Okay. That's really great. I'm... Uh... I'm looking at the time, and it always seems like it's been five minutes. Um, I know, it does. Yeah, but I would like to just kind of push the button on this really quickly just to finish this thought that you brought up about about diabetes and methylation, right? Because most of the time, again, we usually think of diabetes as like a metabolic syndrome, um, a blood sugar issue, an insulin issue, and obviously those are all factors, but methylation is still kind of a newer concept when it comes to the public knowledge on this. So, you know, I just want to kind of touch on that again about methylation and and diabetes. Yeah, so with methylation, well, a couple things. Number one, you're not going to produce as much glutathione as you need to. And lowering glutathione, you know, is going to negatively uh, impact your mitochondria, which we talked about earlier. And it's going to lower your viral defenses, which can create inflammation, which then causes insulin resistance. So there's a ton of different ways that you can lead to insulin resistance um, or methylation or lack of methylation can contribute to that. Um, There's basically, um, you know, the the microbes and stealth pathogens that release the pro-inflammatory cytokines. yeah, a, a number of other things that can contribute um, to diabetes and endocrine disrupting chemicals are a major one, you know, that you really need to kind of do a sauna protocol for mm. um, uh, because you have to really bind up some of these things. And um, with diabetes and methylation too, if you, you're not methylating, you're not detoxifying very well. And that leaves um, you susceptible to accumulating different environmental chemicals and especially endocrine disrupting chemicals. And so, um, you know, using the use of a far infrared sauna, I think should be a part of everyone's um, detox program unless their, you know, adrenals are completely compromised. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, you know, it's, it's actually, I can't imagine 
having a really well thought out detoxification protocol without an in, a far infrared sauna at this point. It's like it, it, it's so absolutely critical for our polluted world. Like every one of us is polluted, right? Like that's just a very very obvious thing like they're finding ddt and polar bears in the antarctic right so like we all have uh you know some sort of exposure to whatever form of chemicals and they get stored in our fat tissues right so we need a way to mobilize those things yeah so you know there's the um ron hubbard protocol um, you know, with the nice and flush, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you got to also make sure you have sufficient glutathione mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, other chemicals as well. So, yeah, um, I mean, basically anything that creates inflammation in the body, it can be uh, a gram, too many gram-negative bacteria in the gut that are releasing these compounds into the bloodstream called lipopolysaccharides. Mm-hmm. Well, if they if you want to do a study in rats and you want to make them feel sick, you take healthy rats and you inject them with lipopolysaccharides, and it'll make them feel real bad. Um, actually, there there's you know, I think some company in Germany is working on a drug, either a drug or a supplement to help block the lipopolysaccharides because currently there aren't any, and uh, they can create chronic inflammation, and then that inflammation drives up cortisol. And then cortisol and insulin play this intimate dance where, you know, cortisol lowers blood sugar or raises blood sugar and then insulin is released to lower blood sugar. Mm, that's, oh my goodness, so fascinating. So it, it sounds like to me, uh, my suspicion is that everything kind of roots back down to the basic premise of inflammation, right? And, and so, you know, and I think of inflammation from the root being like a, like a fire happening to the mitochondria that's actually how i think of it yeah exactly so like you said before you can't i mean you can give all the supplements you want to support the mitochondria but if you don't address what's you know damaging it in the first place um then you know you're just kind of uh you're like you're like medicating yourself you're not you're not but you're not quote-unquote healing yourself right exactly it's green allopathy it's green allopathy. I've never heard that term. Yeah, so it's it's basically where you know, you, if you came to me on say fifteen medications, and I'd say, oh, you just need these fifteen supplements. It's kind of like <laughs> oh, I see. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of <laughs> like when someone comes to me and they're like, oh, I have gut, or you hear people say they have gut issues, and people will tell them to take probiotics, but if they have to take, <laughs> have a leaky gut, yeah. Products leak through there, you create an <laughs> immunogenic response that can, in some um, rare cases, create an autoimmune issue. Yeah, I'm glad, actually glad you just said that because I actually tell people that, and I don't think I even heard that from anyone. I think it just made sense to me that if you have an intestinal permeability, meaning you have a leaky gut syndrome, and you try to take all this fermented food and this kale and this high fiber-rich food, especially these probiotics, um, that would be highly beneficial. Like, these are very beneficial things, but if that's not appropriate for you based on the the permeable, uh, you know, the opening in your intestinal lining, like you just said, that those, those probiotics can leak through. They're not going to colonize in your gut. They're not going to form a a microbiotic colony, which creates an intelligence in your gut, they're going to leak through and then create further, uh, you know, 
immunological issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, like you said, it just makes common sense. You know, if you cut your forearm, you're going to use an antiseptic wipe on it and then put some sort of Band-Aid or bandage on it to prevent microbes from getting in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why would your gut be any different? Right. Um, but, you know, it's kind of people just jumping on the bandwagon, oh, here, take this, take that. And it's sort of like uh, milk thistle is another example. People say, oh, you have liver trouble? Mm. Take milk thistle. Oh, well, yeah. Milk, milk thistle only upregulates phase one. Right. Phase one creates free radicals. So you increase the amount of free radicals that are just sitting around. And so um, it can be, uh, you know, have detrimental or negative effects. Same thing goes with B12 and methylfolate. If you take B12 and methylfolate in the presence of oxidative stress, it creates a harmful toxic compound called peroxynitrite, so how, which damages... So, uh, so how do you balance that one? Is it B6 that does it? Uh, how do you balance the oxidative stress? Yeah, from like a B9 and B, B12 perspective. Like you just well, mentioned that that could be counterproductive. Yeah, so they still need... It's not about what they need. They definitely need the supplements, but you got to go after the oxidative stress first and lower that. Mm, it's mm-hmm. kind of like when someone has a lot of inflammation already. You don't want to go killing things or, right. or do aggressive detox because you're going to create more inflammation. And inflammation already shuts down your liver detox pathways and feeds back and negatively inhibits them. So you, know, you want to be careful with those things. Oh, it's so fascinating. We're going more into the details here. So you want to keep people out of the shock zone, essentially. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Mm, okay. So let me change gears one more time here. Amazing information, amazing insight. I want to talk to you about the role that our relationships play in our health, especially as it involves things like lineage cleansing and healing the imprinted traumas of our past experiences, um, family traumas, abandonment issues. Because I know that you mentioned to me a little a little ways back about this subject and it being a passion for you, and it's a passion of mine, so I'd love to hear what you have for us on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if you have uh, different health views than anyone else, heaven forbid, you know, you're you're kind of weird, and people <laughs> people want to wait. You know, they'll say, "Oh, well, there's no proof or evidence that GMOs are harmful." I'm like, "No, no kidding. That's because we are the study. We're doing the study right now." Um, you know, and, and they don't get that. They think the FDA and the AMA are are out for their best interest and everything. And um, so, so that's yeah, really the main issue. So okay, I, I get that. Um, but uh, let's let's dive deeper on this. Um, okay, so with the family constellation things, mm-hmm. we know that uh, through the studies on methylation, that uh, methylating or unmethylate or not methylating a gene can affect up to four generations after you. Okay. Okay? Wow. And they found out those studies through um, military personnel with PTSD. So PTSD, you know, is not psychological. It's a physiological imbalance. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of these traumas can, you know, be passed down. You know, we've known for a while or thought for a while through cellular memory. Um, and now, you know, some of the work of Dietrich Klinghart and some of the other integrative practitioners 
are really uh, looking at you know lineage, and uh, Dr. Klinghart uh, trains people to do uh, family constellations where you you really look back um, at your past lineage, and uh, there's some muscle testing and other autonomic response testing that's done that will tell you you know what's your biggest stressor, what you need to work on as far as um, daily affirmations, um, et cetera. So, you know, as far as, um, you know, be, just a, being abandoned by your family, it's really hard um, for some of these people with illnesses that are lesser known, like Lyme. You know, if you say you have any, even the smallest form of cancer, everyone's, you know, calling you, baking stuff for you. But, you know, Lyme is 10 times more serious, in my opinion, and, you know, people are like, Lyme, you just take 28 days of antibiotics and you're done. I'm like, no, nah, that's not how it works. And so a lot of people will get abandoned by their families. A lot of spouses, you know, will leave their husbands or wives. And uh, it's really fortunate because, I mean, if you think about back to the quote-unquote old days, you know, when someone in the community was sick, everyone came together and nurtured that person back to wellness. And now, you know, we're closer than ever. We have more gadgets than ever, but we're more disconnected than ever. Constellation stuff, you know, to quote, you know, Dietrich Klinghart kind of brought this idea to light that, you know, for every level uh, or layer of physical toxicity, there's a corresponding layer of emotional toxicity. And, you know, we basically have our you know, inner child uh, subconscious tapes playing in our subconscious mind all day long. And, you know, most people aren't aware of what they're saying, but most of the time it's, you know, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you don't deserve this. And that directs your behavior, which, you know, directs your outcomes. And so, um, you know, you could have things that are driving you that, that you're not aware of. Um, there's a good book called Edge Work by a doctor here in Arizona and it talks about the inner child work um, and how children you know are especially sensitive to changes in their environment and something that might not have a huge impact on an adult can have a very significant impact on a child and if they don't address it later on it can you know really redirect their life. That's so brilliant and you brought up a number of really good points. One of the things that I've been really getting clear on lately as I do what I call conscious engineering work with myself um, and getting really clear on what the patterns are, what the dialogues are, what the storylines that I have in my, my subconscious are when I go through meditation. I just observe these thoughts that come up or what are the emotional reactions that are still present in me. Um, as I personally do this work and study more of the science and the, the psychology of it, one of the interesting factors of this that came up for me is realizing that um, we have a, a time perception disconnect, meaning that time and space is kind of like a measurable physical phenomenon where we can actually like physically understand um, like time and space, meaning that like this present moment, I'm right here in this present moment, right? Like that's a that's like a three dimensional kind of reality. But emotions aren't physical. 
emotions are non-local, meaning that you can have an emotion that came up when you were five years old, when you asked your mom or dad for something, and then they were in a bad mood and told you to be quiet or whatever the thing was, right? That created some kind of trauma imprint. And right. because emotions are non-localized, that emotion that you felt when you're five could still, you could still be feeling that same emotion and interpreting it as if it was what was going on in your present moment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, sometimes, it, you know, with uh, your present family of origin, uh, there are certain bioenergetic scans that you can use, uh, such as the Sera, which will tell you, you know, which uh, family member or which relationship is the most stressful for you, um, because people tend to discount, you know, the relationships. And um, a good quote from the book Edge, that book Edgework, is that you know, love is just as much an essential nutrient as oxygen. Mm. And so, you know, when people are socially isolated and they don't have a lot of family support and maybe the generation before them didn't support, you know, their children, um, you know, it can be, you know, sort of a cumulative effect, but you can put a stop to it is the good news. You know, you can do the family constellation work, you can do the inner child work, and, you know, then you're in control and, and in the driver's seat versus just a passive, you know, onlooker. Mm, that's really powerful. You don't have to be in the stands as a spectator. You can be a participant and actually you I, have full control. Like you can, there's so, that's the amazing thing about this to me is that we really have every single solution to any kind of problem that we face at our fingertips. We just sometimes we have to decipher through it. We have to, you know, uh, like people like you that are specialized and have done the work to kind of weed through a lot of these details for people. Then people really, they just have to take it upon themselves to apply what they learn. And one of the words you used early in our conversation was, you have to do it consistently, right? Like you can't right. just meditate once a day and then, okay, everything's great. And then, but what about the next day and the next day? Like every day is a new. So you actually have to do anything um, consistently in order for it to make a difference. Right, exactly. Yeah, especially, you know, if you've had symptoms uh, that have been ongoing for a while, you know, it, it's going to take a while to have an effect. Mm -hmm. Um and obviously, you know, you try to look at all the different stressors and various angles and approach as many as you can. You want to uh, um, completely eradicate all the stressors that you can. And if you can't eradicate them, you want to significantly reduce them um, because that gets into, you know, adrenal fatigue, which people think the adrenals just activate themselves. But it's really the other stressors that are going on, such it could be a gut infection, could be inner child stuff. Um, there's a, also a good book called uh, Psycho-Cybernetics yes. uh, by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, as you know, who was a plastic surgeon. And uh, he wrote the book because he found that you know, the patients that he thought he had done the best job on were oftentimes the most unsatisfied, and it was because they didn't change their, their mental image. Right, so people are trying to cosmetically change their life from the outside um, without realizing that really they're, what they're really wanting to, to change comes from the inside out. Right, 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, as several of my mentors have said, you know, most people are afraid to spend time by themselves or afraid to sit in a room where the TV's not on and it's quiet because they have to face what's coming up, you know, their feelings. And um, for a lot of people, that's uncomfortable. But uh, if you don't address those things, you know, they're going to be indirectly or and or directly driving your life, whether you know it and like it or not. Mm, yeah. And the good news about this, I want to just mention, is that, you know, let's say the family member that comes up as the biggest stressor for you uh, is unwilling to work together to try and mend the relationship. You can do clearing of these stressors without the other person. Is there any ways that you would recommend somebody do that? Um, I am not trained in the Klinghart method, but the, I think it, he calls it advanced psychoneurology or neurobiology. And um, a lot of counselors do it, but some MDs and, and um, PhDs do it. Uh, there's a machine called an Evox that um, it basically measures your voice um, when you're saying certain people's names. And uh, some people may take longer to clear than others, but um, you know you, you can't wait on the other person to be cooperative and willing to work with you. You've got to be willing to do it on your own and just say, I love that person, but I, I'm going to have to love them from the distance. Mm. Yep, sometimes that's the only real response. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it can be tough for people who are unwell and who, you know, have family support. Their family thinks that they're faking their illness. You know, that just really, really upsets me. I work with a fair number of kids with autism, Asperger's, and pandas. And, you know, pandas, which is a strep infection of the brain, uh, you know, a lot of those kids, uh, the parents want them to be treated by an immunologist. They end up get treating, getting treated by the psych ward, and they get, the state takes them away from their parents. Wow. So, and, and I mean, this is not like voodoo science. I mean, there's an entire lab that studies pandas. I mean, this is proven over and over again. Um, you know, and so that's kind of traditional medicine's, in my opinion, worst thing about it is that it assumes they don't know the answer that it's automatically psychosomatic. Well, just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean it's psychosomatic. Um, I had a patient one time uh, when I worked uh, doing traveling healthcare in Alabama, and she was a single mom uh, of one child, and she had recently adopted another child, and she worked two jobs, and she had done this for like 10 years. And then all of a sudden she started, uh, she basically had paralysis of, or uh, severe paresis and weakness of one side of her body. And so, you know, I get the chart and open it, and it says psychosomatic. Well, you know, you don't just wake up after 10 years of working two jobs and taking care of your kids and say, I think I'm going to fake an illness today. So, right. Yeah, you know, you can imagine how integrative medicine is in Alabama. You're like, they're like, vitamin D? What? Um, so... I referred her to a Harvard-trained doctor who happened to practice in Alabama, and uh, I never got to get the final outcome, but, you know, I told him that, you know, there was a good chance there was mold toxicity involved uh, based on our history and our conversation. 
but it, it just really irritates me uh, when people say, oh, it's psychosomatic. How do you know it's psychosomatic? I mean, what does psychosomatic mean? I mean, things that we thought were psychosomatic or psychological, like ulcers, we now know to be caused by a pathogen. Mm. You know? So, and if you look, there's research going back to the 80s, possibly even the 70s. I think 76% of people with schizophrenia have an infection with Toxoplasma gondii. So that's why I harp on these infections so much because of their ability to harm so many systems in the body. And some of the viruses, these stealth viruses, they get in the nervous system. Um, we call them neurotropic viruses, and they may not necessarily show up on blood work. Um, so then, you know, your listeners are probably saying, well, how do you test for them? Um, sometimes you have to just go by symptoms. Uh, my mentor, uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Kendall Stewart of the Neurosensory Centers of America in Austin, Texas, he put together seven different neurosensory tests, and he was able, through hours and hours of research, to correlate certain patterns on the test results to viral infections. So the viruses that get in the ear and in the myelin, uh, in the um, crani eighth cranial nerves, you know, that can cause balance issues. And, um, you know, it, you want your eyes, your ears, and your proprioceptive system, your balance system, to tell your brain the same thing. If uh, they're all speaking three different languages, it's like three people yelling at each other in foreign languages, then that creates chaos. Mm -hmm. And then it goes right back to the mitochondria. You have an yep. electromagnetic chaos of sorts, and you're basically... You have a miscommunication from cell to cell. Right, exactly. So that, yeah, I mean, people don't realize that, you know, uh, cell membranes, how important they are because if the cell membranes don't work, the cells don't communicate. If the cells don't communicate, the tissues don't work, which means the organs don't work, which means the organ system doesn't work. Mm, so amazing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, we covered a lot, and I'm so glad that I had you on for round two. I mean, this this conversation was incredible. And um, is there is there anything else you would love to leave the audience? Um, you you know they can contact me. Uh, I guess you'll post my email uh, if they want to contact me with any questions. Um, but uh, I would offer them uh, fifty dollars off. An initial consultation, um, if they mention uh, Ronnie Landis podcast. Okay, okay, and then um, your website will be in the show notes, so it'd be easily to access. And for all of you, that's incredibly generous. And so, if you do want to work with Dr. Tim, um, send him an email and let him know that you found him through this podcast. Absolutely, well, I always enjoy having an engaging, dynamic uh, podcast with you. It feels like we've only been talking about 10 minutes, but we could go on forever. I know, right? So at some point, I just have to call it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's right. Mm, yeah, it was such a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, really wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, if your listeners have any questions, they can contact me. Right on. 
And then for all of you listening, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our esteemed guest, Dr. Tim Jackson. And check out his website, check out his work. If you did not hear our first interview together, episode 32, check that out. Um, you know, just really amazing conversation. So check all that out. And uh, until next time. Sending you lots of peace and blessings and aloha here from the Garden Island of Hawaii.